Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And conspicuous by his absence is the senior sports editor of the ODPH. He is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach. Coach Duffy. Uh, he's camped outside of uh, Lincoln Financial Field. He's looking for somebody. Yes, he is. We are going to have a blog from Coach this week on Parlay Points. He has sent the message to us, but he is still distraught over the actions that happened last Thursday. Well, listen, I'm not going to say I told you so, but I told you so. I told you. Go back. Roll the tape back. You know, I said last week, you're, you can sit here and say, oh, yeah, if you got any questions, want to talk about the draft, send them to at Coach Duffy 11 on Twitter. He'll talk with you. And I added the addendum, do it before the Giants pick because then it's suspect. Was I right? No, you were spot on, my friend. Facts. We called it. Coach is trying to process what happened last Thursday in the first round of the NFL draft. So he's going to be dropping a blog this week on Parlay Points. So we'll be sharing it all over odphpodcast.com is the place you gotta go swing by and see it and definitely interact with him on twitter at coach duffy 11 and get his takes on what transpired after this podcast because pat and i are going to be kicking off the sports edition of the odph podcast recapping the nfl draft and just we haven't even read coach's blog about it yet but we're already going to say viewer discretion is advised oh yeah he's coming in hot on this one Every message we've gotten from Coach, uh, we can't repeat on the air. It's almost like uh, Diesel on 3FN and A122 Productions Patreon. $1 gets in the door, $3 gets a comfy seat, comfy seat at the table. I can't even get into what Coach is talking about right now. But you'll just have to read it when it comes out. But fear not, we are going to be still talking some sports here. So always remember, use the hashtag ODPHpod when you're interacting with us on social media because we definitely want to talk with you. And let's get into it. Yeah. Last, th- last week was the NFL draft, mm-hmm. the official preseason kickoff, if you will, to the NFL season where there's hope, there's questions. You call it the official kick. I call it false spring. No, that works. False spring. You know, like I mentioned on last week's show, it's it's false spring. You know, every, everyone, if you live in that part of the world uh, where you deal with winter, and if you don't, well, you're a lucky son of a gun, hmm. um, where you get that part of the, you get that part of the winter season where it's like, oh, it's nice and warm out. I can roll the windows down on my car. I don't need a winter jacket anymore. I can I can start wearing maybe shorts if it's get warm enough. And then a week later, you're back in your winter jacket. Yeah, it's just something about the NFL draft that brings that about because it gives that sense that football is coming right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you live in the U.S., it is the biggest pastime of all sports here. Oh, yeah. There's no questions. It surpassed baseball. I, listen, I love baseball. Baseball is my number one sport, but I will admit and I recognize that the NFL is bigger in terms of like everything. Yeah, it just dominates. So this was a very big event, and that's why they've now spread it out over three days, mm-hmm. which it's still wild to me from when it first began to doing yeah, it now, yeah. how it's just become its own event. And this is where teams really had a lot of questions to get answered. So we are going to be breaking down who made good, who did bad, 
and everything in between from the first round of the NFL and give our picks of who had the best draft overall. Yeah. So, Pad, let's kick it off. Yeah, so, of course, uh, Jacksonville had the number one overall pick, and surprise, surprise to nobody, they took Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson uh, at quarterback. No real shock here. I uh, know the only, the only shock I had was it took as long as it did for that clock on uh, ESPN that I was watching to switch from the countdown clock to the pick is in. Yeah, I could definitely understand that. I mean, Jacksonville, you were thinking with Urban Meyer now as a head coach, there was a freak chance that he might go for Justin Fields as quarterback mm-hmm. with the whole Ohio State connection. Yeah, yeah. But this was the biggest no-brainer. Ever since Trevor Lawrence has been playing college football that we've seen him on a national scale, he has been the guy. He has stood out. He has been everything that a team is looking for in a quarterback. So for Jacksonville, this was a very smart move. I know they drafted later in the round Travis Attain as a running back. So they are building their offense around Trevor Lawrence and really giving him some weapons to succeed early and right away. So for Jacksonville, smart moves first round. Can't no, argue ab- with that. Absolutely. Like we said, you know, they had a quarterback, but it wasn't, you know, in uh, Gardner Minshew, but you know, Minshew mania was only going to get you so far. To me, it was kind of like, you know, you got a crack in the dam, so to speak, and you're putting a little bit of duct tape on it. And duct tape's going to work for a little bit, but you need something a little stronger, a little sturdier to fix the leak in the, in the dam. You know, and Trevor Lawrence at least appears to be that fix. Well, he's going to be somebody that's going to be looked upon to turn this franchise around. Yeah. And is going to take time. So the question is, can he really steer the ship quickly in the right direction yeah or where are they going to go from here i mean there's a lot of uncertainty with this team him developing as a pro is going to hinge on him getting weapons around him and it's also going to be interesting just to see how he deals with losing because in his collegiate career he was 34 and 2 and the only two losses weren't in the regular season so he never lost a game in the regular season in college and then in high school he only lost two games so in his, so for like the last seven eight years he's lost four games which which is absurd it's absurd but it goes to show about the talent level he has and especially to win at the collegiate level i mean the teams he's faced over his years Uh uh-huh i mean no slouches is no slouches it's not a cupcake schedule as we always talk about but this is going to be something that he's going to contact joe burrow i would imagine from cincinnati Bengals, and say presumably how how would you deal with this because it's something that when you're drafted this high in the nfl it usually means you're going to a losing franchise currently. Mm-hmm. You don't exactly mm-hmm. go to a winning franchise right away unless you really luck out. I'll say the same like the NBA draft. What was it last year where the Golden State Warriors had the number one pick? So it's like, okay, yeah, they're a losing team, but that's because of circumstance. Exactly. So this is going to be a whole different ball for him to deal with, and it's going to show what this team is going to be building around the franchise for years to come. So Yeah. Next up, though. Uh, was the New York Jets who took uh, quarterback Zach Wilson out of BYU. Boy, I know I said last week during the sports show that I had feelings about this, and I still do. This was a bad move for the Jets, in my opinion. I understand Wilson has all the intangibles, and could he be the next Josh Allen? Could he be the next Carson Wentz? Could he really stand out Mm -hmm. and really make something happen here? I don't know. Well, I think if he has the pieces around him, maybe. Because I think that was one of Sam Darnold's biggest issues was I don't think we ever saw what his full potential was because he never had average, I won't even say great weapons, average weapons around him. The only offensive weapon he ever had around him was Crowder Mm -hmm. that I can remember. And then last year we all remember and joked about that their number one offensive weapon was the ageless wonder, Frank Gore. Yeah. So... I've, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to give cut Sam Darnold a little slack, but like, 
I don't think we ever got to see his full potential because he wasn't really thrown to anybody worth a damn. No, he definitely wasn't. And what I'm saying with Wilson is like, who has Brigham Young really faced? Yeah, that's in, true. In the comparison that's of true. the SEC and you know the other big strong football conferences, you didn't really hear them in the national championship conversation. So it's when you come out of a school that I mean, granted, he did put up numbers. He de- he definitely has the intangibles physically, but it's when you're coming out of a program that is not exactly a, a major, in my opinion. No. To come to that big level, especially to New York. And granted, I get it, it's the Jets. It's not the Giants. It's kind of the big brother, little brother factor of the New York papers and the media. But the Jets are on the rebound and def- desperately need something to give them a spark. Is Wilson going to be the guy? Yeah. I think with the new coaching staff, he's got – Potential because I do like their moves they've done so far. Yeah, because you got me curious. I looked at BYU's schedule for last year. Uh, they lost one game. Uh, another, the, uh, they had one postponement. Uh, the opponents they faced were Navy, Troy, Louisiana Tech, UTSA, Houston, Texas State, Western Kentucky, uh, Boise State, North Alabama, Coastal Carolina, and then San Diego State to close out the year. Yeah, so it's not like ex- one or two teams, and I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, like those are pretty decent teams, but it's not like, hey, we went out, we went into Death Valley and, and played those guys. Exactly, it's just a different level of competition. It's not to say he can't overpass this, but it's going to be a very challenging experience for him, I think, and especially being in New York, where let's face it, and I'm not saying this as a homer pick, mm-hmm. the AFC East is a lot better. Uh-huh. Than people realize. Uh huh. It's it's not the division of you know not even of old, but of a few years ago, where it was Brady and the Patriots just running train on everybody, and they were just kind of picking up the scraps. Exactly. Like it's a competitive division. Exactly. It's not one team running over everybody. You have the Bills who have been up and coming and definitely are looking poised to be a Super Bowl contender. Not saying this is a homer pick. I'll even give Miami their due. Yeah. They've gotten a lot better. They got they got some pieces. They got some pieces. I don't think they're there yet, but they're on at least the right track. But we'll get into that when I get to their pick. And even the Patriots, yeah, don't count them out. You don't. You don't spend one hundred and sixty-five plus million dollars and finish bottom of the division. Exactly. So it's something that with this division, everybody's really raised their stakes, and it's not one team running through everybody. This is going to be something that's going to be a challenge for everybody. Yeah. So for the Jets. They're going in a lot on, I don't want to say like an unproven product, but the the potential's there. It's just, you got to see if it pans out. Exactly. So we'll have to wait and see how it all shakes out. Yeah. But it's a lot of questions to be answered. (coughs) Speaking of questions. Yeah. Holy Christ. This one got real interesting real quick because San Francisco had the number three overall pick and they took quarterback Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Yeah, this one I was puzzled by. I'll be honest. I was packing because I moved locations where I live over the weekend. And I stopped what I was doing because I was like, oh, the 49ers are up. This could get interesting. And I went, ooh, this got real interesting. Where's my popcorn? This was the biggest question mark in the entire first round, in my opinion. Because this was a domino that we we're all waiting to see. Oh, yeah. Because it had been rumored they liked Mac Jones from Alabama. And obviously Justin Fields, if he fell to him from Ohio State, who is they going to take as their quarterback? Yeah, yeah. And why the love affair to get rid of Jimmy G is, I still do not understand this. But I don't doubt John Lynch. He has an idea of what he wants from his team. Taking Trey Lance from North Dakota State, we then again talk about a team 
that who have they faced? Uh-huh. And you're dealing yet again with are they going to be a Josh Allen or a Carson Wentz yeah. or one and dones? You don't know, and that's such a scary thing. Yeah, because if you're facing weaker competition in comparison to your you know your other divisions and conferences, it it's easy to stand out. But then again, when you go against the elite of the elite, and let's face it, if you're in the NFL, and even if you're a so-so player per se, you're better than how many college players you go up against. Yeah, that's I mean, true. You you're you're at that upper echelon. So even the worst NFL player is still better than how many percentage of college players. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. So that all being said, the Niners took a big gamble with Trey Lance. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it, but I mean, it looks like they they drafted some pieces around it. They took an offensive guard uh, from Notre Dame, so I know Coach is happy. Yeah, he's ecstatic and about that in one. In the second round, they took a running back. In the third round, uh, they took another uh, offensive guard later in the fifth round. So it looks like they're trying to give him some pieces around him, so they're going to they're gonna give him a shot. Yeah, I mean, they have to. Because if you're going all in on a rookie quarterback, and let's face it, they are. Oh, yeah, and allegedly, allegedly, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was the first person to text Trey Lance after he got drafted and said, listen, hey, I'm here to help you. I'll do whatever we have to. Well, I think he understands as a professional that, okay, if you're on this team, you want to win. That yeah. The right players work with the team to get the chip. So he's not going to give the uh, Ben Roethlisberger slash Brett Favre treatment. Exactly. He's going to go out there and do what he has to to be a team player. He knows he has the starting job, and this is more competition on him. Oh, yeah. Don't lose. If you win games, congratulations, you still play. If you start losing, well, you have a rookie that is going to get paid a lot of money sitting on a bench ready to take your job. Oh, yeah. So a lot of pressure is going to be on Jimmy G to do something. But for Trey Lance, he's walking in a good situation because Garoppolo has had a good learning tree to be under. Yeah, yeah. So that being said, it does bring up a lot of questions if he's ready to take on the upper echelon of talent. Mm -hmm. Like like we know, that uh, NFC West division is real tough. That got a lot better during this draft, too. Uh A lot better for all teams involved. So we'll have to wait and see how it pans out for the Niners. Yeah. Next up. Uh, Was the Atlanta Falcons who took Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. And this was a brilliant pick by their, on their part. Yeah. Normally we go, who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Uh, Atlanta is a team that has a really good tight end. They have a very good tight end. Also the highest drafted tight end in NFL history, I think. Yeah. I mean, this is a game changer. And for Matt Ryan, who, I mean, let's face it, is on the back end of his career. Mm -hmm. A lot of mileage on the tires. Uh Uh-huh. But. Give him a solid solid weapon to start building around. And listen, whatever we're going to get out of the Falcons, we're going to get out of the Falcons. Especially when there were rumors leading up to the draft that they were shopping Julio Jones. Yeah, there's so many different elements that could go into this. But adding Kyle Pitts was a big, big move. And I think that he was arguably the best player on the board physically. Yeah, yeah. So he will add a different dynamic to that team. They just still need to do some work. And... We don't know where we're going to get out of this team each week. So he is a factor that will be involved in turning this franchise around. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if it's going to be right away because no. th- there's so many question marks with Atlanta. I mean, it, it'll help with Atlanta and give them some weapons and something, a, a spark offensively. But, you know, there's a lot of parts that help a car drive. Yeah. You know, this helps, but it doesn't quite make the car go 65 miles an hour. Yeah, exactly. So... Atlanta, still more questions, but probably the smartest move they've done in mm-hmm. recent memory for yeah. the draft. So yeah. congratulations. You guys yeah. did something. I can't rip it on you this week. Uh-huh. This week, though. Yeah. 
Uh, next up with the fifth overall pick was uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, who chose Jamar Chase, wide receiver out of LSU, reuniting him with his collegiate teammate in Joe Burrows. Okay. Honestly, Pad, how did you feel about this pick? I mean, it made sense just from the fact of you need AJ Green is no longer there. I could not honestly tell you one other offensive weapon they had on the on the on the that side of the ball. So I mean it makes sense. You know, there's real no rapport the two you know burrows needs to build with a new wide receiver because hey he knows the guy he's played with the guy so there's that familiarity between the two you know and he and he was there you know now should they have picked maybe an offensive guard or something on to protect burrows yeah but i don't fault him for it i don't fault him either but you hit the nail right in the head i thought they made a bad call here in the fact they let Penny Sewell fall. Mm -hmm. I thought grabbing the offensive tackle from Oregon would have been the no-brainer. Because with Joe Burrow, you need a line around him. Yeah. If he's on his back half the time, it doesn't matter who you got catching the ball. See, at the same token, though, I think uh, Cincinnati might have been looking at the board going, okay, we know we need a receiver. We know we need a guard. There are plenty of other good guards in this draft that we can go get another one. You know, you look at the very next pick was the Miami Dolphins who ended up taking a wide receiver. We'll get to them in a minute. I would imagine that they were looking going, all right, we've got Burroughs is our guy for the long term, for the long haul. We need to get him an offensive weapon. Why don't we go get him his collegiate teammate and probably his best friend? I don't know. I'm kind of assuming. No, you assume, but there's a connection there. Connection. They've got that familiarity, you know, with each other. Why don't we go get this? Because, hey, he's right here. I guarantee you, alternate dimension, alternate timeline, if they don't take Jamar Chase, he is not there by the time they get up to their next pick. No, he's definitely not. I mean, it was a smart move to grab a wide receiver. Like I said, I'm not faulting them, but I thought the bigger need for them was line. So that's why I said I thought they made a bad move there, but it's not a bad pick. I want to really stress that. Jamar Chase is one of the best wide receivers in his entire draft. And also, there's a recurring theme that is happening here where you're seeing teammates get reconnected. Yeah, it happened like three times in the draft. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we, we talked about Jacksonville and attained with Trevor Lawrence. Yep. So that's one big move there. You saw now Joe Burrow is getting reunited with Jamar Chase, so they can be able to make something happen there, and the connection is going to be there. So for Cincinnati, I mean, obviously they had to do something, so I'm not faulting them for that. No. I just figured it was like, okay, well, if you're going to do this, it would make sense to connect everybody You know where your line is, I think, your more important deal. But the fact you didn't, like I said, I'm not mad at him about it. I just thought the bigger move, and thus I thought it was a bad mistake, was to go for wide receiver. But if you're going to get one, get one of the best on the board. So can't fault you on that. Yeah. Uh, Next up, as I mentioned, was the Miami Dolphins, who took Jalen Waddell, wide receiver from Alabama. All right. So we once again talked about connecting uh, quarterbacks with their wide receivers from college. Mm Mm-hmm. The Dolphins, uh, honestly, I I was more shocked they didn't take so well here, too. Yeah. I, but if you're going all in on Tua, which, I listen, I know I ripped the kid a lot on here. I hope for his sake they give him a fighting chance. But I think the damage he did last season is still going to haunt him. Yeah. I, know, I know Coach and I go back and forth about this a lot. But you have to let that kid develop into an NFL quarterback. He has to get used to losing at this level. But... If you're going to give him somebody to go a playmaker that can actually do something, Waddle is the guy to do. And like Coach touched upon, the connection there is a smart move for Miami. I thought that, granted, they should have gone with line, but this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And hopefully it can do something to turn him around. I I just don't know if it's going to be too much or too little too late per se, but I I will, as much as it pains me, 
Miami probably had the best draft of anybody. Oh, okay. I thought they were up there in the in the top picks. They made a lot of smart moves. So kind of have to wait to see how they shake out. But yeah. Waddle is definitely going to add a dynamic to that offense that they need. Yeah. Because I don't think they have all that right now. Mm-hmm. No, so, and, and, it, and I think it was a smart move on their part to pick up Waddle just because, yeah, they've got some receivers there, but they got a little bit of tread on the tires. The, you know, you've got two a young quarterback, going to be around a while, you you hope. So give him a young wide receiver that, like, can build a, a tandem together that just lasts for a lot of years. Yeah, it's going to make a lot of sense, too. And especially passing on Suelder, they did get Liam Eikenberg. That's the uh, offensive tackle from Notre Dame. So you know Coach is in love with that pick. And like I say, they added more pieces throughout the rounds. I mean, Jalen Phillips from Flor- or from Miami on yeah. the edge rush, I mean, yeah. that's going to be a big help. They got him late in round one. And all the moves they did, I thought, made a lot of sense. Like I say, as much as I hate saying that because – well, it's Miami. I can't be mad at them about it. Mm-hmm. They, they had a really smart draft. So kudos to them, but now it's just a matter of will the Waddle move pay off or passing on Suell is going to come back to haunt them. That's the only thing. I think Eichenberg is going to be a good uh, tackle, but when you have the best one on the board and you have a rookie quarterback, essentially, yeah, you got to get a line around them. But Miami is going to Miami. So. Yep. Uh, with the seventh overall pick, it was going to Detroit, who took uh, Penne Suell. Uh, the offensive tackle from Oregon. Yes, which I think when Suwell fell to Detroit, they immediately ripped up whoever they were going to take and ran to uh-huh. the podium with this one. Yep. Because with Jared Goff now in Detroit, yep. you have to give him a line. Detroit has never had a great offensive line, in my God, opinion. No, no. I mean, even when Barry Sanders was there, they did okay, but Barry Sanders, I mean, that just goes, shows to go how good he was. Yeah, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. Keep Jared Goff upright so he doesn't have to run for his life. You know, and he's got a running back in DeAndre Swift who ain't bad. The only other thing I would say they need is like a wide receiver, but at that point, you know, I can understand why they took the offensive tackle, though. Plus, I also think they might be a little gun-shy about taking a wide receiver in the draft. Yeah. Usually when they take him that high, you know, it doesn't pan out as well for them. Yeah. But I can't be mad about the moves they made, too. I mean, I thought they did okay. I mean, they did draft a wide receiver in round four, but they did a lot to address their lines on both sides of the ball. So have to see how it pans out for them. But honestly, I thought Detroit made a smart move here at number one. Yeah. So. Uh, with the eighth overall pick went to the Carolina Panthers, who took uh, J.C. Horn, the cornerback uh, from South Carolina. A little surprised at this move. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, did not see him going this high in the draft, but... Not mad about it. I think that they definitely wanted to do some upgrading on their defense. Obviously, being in the NFC South, they need to do something to compete with the New Orleans. And I understand Drew Brees is no longer there. Right. But still, you got to do something to really stand out and really get the ball back on your side. So it's a smart move to take him. I mean, Horn is a solid cornerback. Yeah. He was up there in the top ones for me. Yeah. I mean, I had Patrick Sertan ahead of him, but that's my unofficial grade. But. It is what it is. Yeah, no, I mean, it made sense for Carolina to take a cornerback. I was just, like you, surprised they did it this soon because, let's face it, Carolina needs to fix a lot on both sides of the ball. But I just, I'm a little surprised they took one this early. But it could be a case of they had him really high on their uh, their roster or their pick list. And when he fell, when he fell there, and they're like, well, shit, we got to take this. Yeah, I figured they might do something to help out Sam Darnold a little bit. I, that was my guess. Uh, about Sam's it. used to not getting helped in the draft, though. Yeah, I, I understand that, but I was like, yeah, there's some other weapons you could have gone with here that I thought would have been a lot smarter. Yeah. But hey, Carolina has to address the, their defensive woes, which they have a lot. This is true. I'm not going to front about this. Number nine, though, uh, was 
to the Denver Broncos, who took Pat Sertan, uh, cornerback from Alabama. Definitely did not see this one happening. I know there's been a lot of discussion that they were going to go get another quarterback. They were yep. going to get some other. Because there were uh, two big ones still left on the board at this point. Mm-hmm. So I was very surprised they didn't do this because I figured Carolina would have traded and I figured that Denver would have swooped in and grabbed the quarterback here as well. Yeah. But seeing Sertan, who I thought was the best cornerback in the draft, go here, Denver got a steal. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a steal for Denver. I'm just surprised they didn't take a quarterback at any point in the draft just because you think of what division they're in mm-hmm. and what they have to deal with on you know a multiple-week basis. Sertan's great and all. He's going to have to go up against some of the best quarterbacks you know in the NFL, but you, that don't mean squat if your defense stops him and then on the other side of the ball you really don't have anybody that can keep up with him. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the big question mark moving forward. However, Sertan will help. I mean, obviously you got to face Patrick Mahomes twice a year. Have fun. You're going to need some help. Sertan is that guy, and I think that he was a very smart pick to do. I Like I said, but I think that they needed to grab somebody on offense really more so. Like, that was the stronger need. But we'll have to wait and see. I mean, obviously there is a lot of talk about one um, – Aaron Rodgers possibly going to Denver, but we'll talk Allegedly. about that. Allegedly, but we'll talk about that next segment. But for Denver, a uh, solid pick here. Like I said, I can't be yeah. mad about it. I honestly had him pegged to the Cowboys, but, man, did that ever go off the table in a hurry. Yeah, so the draft up to this point, if you weren't watching, was fairly standard. Nothing crazy, just guys, a couple surprise picks, you know, nothing too crazy. And then somebody went and flipped the table because uh, next up with the 10th overall pick was supposed to be the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. But like a quarter of the way through the the old countdown timer, Dallas decided to trade the draft pick away to the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm like, oh, well, this is interesting. You've got two teams in the same division draft, trading a draft pick with each other. You don't normally see this. This could get interesting, especially with the New York football giants right behind him going, "Uh uh-oh, is Philly about to jump in here and steal something the Giants and Coach Duffy really wanted? Uh, Yeah, I I believe they did because after this pick, the Giants went and traded away their pick altogether because I think they said, fuck it, there's nobody here that we want. Uh, But the Philadelphia Eagles with the 10th overall pick took uh, the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, uh, the wide receiver from Alabama. Quick thoughts. One, Philly hates Coach Duffy. Yeah, they do. In the worst possible way. And two, did hell freeze over? I'm thinking so. Philly and Dallas making a trade? Like I think, I think it's their mutual hatred of the Giants. Like, seriously, how wrong is this the on enemy, the enemy so my, many levels? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Man, like, this just felt wrong all around. Like, I, I can't put this into words. When I heard Philly traded with Dallas, I was like, what? Yeah. Why? Yeah, no, this didn't make any sense to me on the surface, but, hey, that's sports for you. Yeah, absolutely. This is, like I said, Coach Duffy is currently somewhere around Philly right now looking for answers. He's, he's posted up outside the Lincoln Financial Field, al- yeah. allegedly. Allegedly. This move, though, for Philly, smart. Oh, yeah. Absolutely smart. Oh, absolutely. You got to give Jalen Hurts uh, somebody that can go out and catch the ball, and this is Deshaun Jackson 2.0. That yeah. this is going to be yeah. a great move for Philly. Oh, my God, yeah, especially. Phil- Philly's going to love him. Philly's going to love him. It's going to look real good, great for Jalen Hurts. You know, knows Devontae, familiar with Devontae. So it's going to be great for them. It's going to be fun to watch if you're a Philly fan. Oh, absolutely. I thought Philly had a strong draft throughout, too. I thought they made some smart moves. I don't know how it's all going to pan out when it's all said and done, 
But Devontae Smith is going to be a game changer down in Philly. And like I say, if you remember how Deshaun, like Coach touched upon, how Deshaun Jackson burnt the Giants and everybody else in the, oh, in the NFC East, yeah, get ready for a bigger, stronger presence with Devontae Smith because, I mean, I think he's a better player even at this stage. So, Philly, congratulations. Hell of a move. Yeah. And then we talk about moves. So, number 11. Yeah, so that pick was, like I mentioned, uh, originally from the New York Football Giants, but I think they were so pissed they went, fuck it. We don't want anybody at this point. And they traded the pick away to Dallas, or not Dallas, excuse me, Chicago. And the Chicago Bears drafted quarterback Justin Fields uh, out of Ohio State. Surprising. Uh, so, so yeah, Chicago, about that tweet, uh, QB1. How's that working out for you? Hmm. Smoke screened everybody. Yeah. Congratulations. Chicago made a great move. Yeah. No, and, well, and I think this was a case for them where they were sitting there going, holy shit, there's two really good uh, quarterbacks still available in the draft. We kind of need one. We're going to jump up there and get one. Yeah, and I thought they were very, very smart about it. Justin Fields, I think, should have gone a lot higher in this draft. Absolutely. I, th- I think that he's got more pro intangibilities that are really going to help Chicago. But the question mark goes now, what are you putting around him? Because mm-hmm. you can have a great quarterback, but if you're not putting weapons around him to flourish – and let's face it, Chicago's offense has not exactly set the world on fire past few seasons. No, I'm pulling up the depth chart now. You know, it's it's like you said, it's nothing right home about. Uh, they've got David Montgomery at running back, Allen Robinson the second as one of their wide receivers, Darnell Mooney is another wide receiver. Uh, they've got Marquise Go- uh, Goodwin also on the roster, uh, and then past that, it's kind of like okay, they got Jimmy Graham, but that's not Jimmy Graham of old. Yeah, exactly. You got Jimmy Graham past his prime. This is a situation where Chicago maybe is going to turn things around. Obviously, the NFC North is a big question mark these days. Listen, listen, whoever, Dalton Fields has got to look over their shoulder. They got Nick Foles waiting behind them. Yeah. I mean, Chicago is just puzzling. They're weird. They're weird. Yeah, I mean, that sounds, you could say the Bears organization is weird with the amount of quarterbacks they've stocked up. But with Fields, he has a chance to outshine Dalton and get on the field. Is he going to do it right away? I think so. I mean, it's nothing against Andy Dalton. He has a special place in my heart for getting the Bills to the playoffs That's a couple true. years ago. He doesn't have to buy a meal ever again in Buffalo. I can't say anything bad about him. I hope Andy Dalton makes the you know wins the job and takes his team to the Super Bowl and only lose to the Bills. I'm, I, I'm okay I, with this. I don't see him winning the job. No, no, I do, no. no disrespect, but like you don't draft Justin Fields to have him ride the pine behind Andy Dalton. No, I agree with you. And that's the thing about Chicago is you're going to have to put him in right away, but you have to get him weapons. You have to build something around him to give him the best possible chances to succeed. Well, and that's the nice thing for Chicago is because if things go sideways really fast, you have two guys behind him that can kind of come up and do mop-up duty. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Andy Dalton is very serviceable as a quarterback. Nick Foles is Nick Foles. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get out of him per se at this stage, but he still is a serviceable quarterback. So yeah. there is a lot of backup that Fields can learn from and definitely become a solid pro. So mm-hmm. a lot of upside for them to win. Yeah. So next up, though, we have to talk a little bit about Dallas. Yeah, so uh, this was pick went to the Dallas Cowboys, and this was from San Francisco through Miami and Philly. It's 
confusing. Uh, but they took uh, the inside linebacker from Penn State in Micah Parsons, which made all the sense in the world. Uh, they just had that other linebacker, Sean Lee, retire mm-hmm. a couple days prior. Need to hold a fill? Need to hold a fill? You just had uh, Lee there from Penn State for a number of years. Hey, why don't we go get another linebacker from Penn State? Because it worked. Penn State is linebacker university. Pretty much. So if you want a great linebacker, usually they come out of Penn State. Smart move by Dallas. Yeah. Not mad about this move at all. Obviously, they had Patrick Sertan, who I thought would have been a perfect fit for Dallas. But it didn't work out this way. But Parsons is absolutely equal value right here. This is a smart move because I was going to say if they took anybody on the offensive side of the ball, I was going to actually go rip them on Twitter. Hmm. I'm sorry. Dallas needs to fix their defense. Uh-huh. Their, offen- their offense is fine. They're, they're set. They're set. I mean, a couple things at offensive line you could tweak around a sure. little bit. A sure. little. But let's face it, if you get Dak back at even 80%, you could still win that division outright. Absolutely. I am saying this without coaching the room, but I know I'll get an angry tweet about this, but I don't care. A Dak at 80% can win that division. So Dallas doesn't need to do that much. They just need to focus on defense. If they can do that, they're going to be the clear odds-on favorite for the NFC East. And it does make a lot of sense with this pick, like mm-hmm. I say. Yeah. Because Jerry Jones did something very unconventional. Didn't mm-hmm. make anything super flashy. Yeah. But their first five picks, they got a linebacker, cornerback, defensive tackle, defensive end, cornerback, linebacker. They didn't take anybody on the offensive side of the ball till round four. Yep. But it's okay. And it's what they need to address. So not mad at Dallas's draft at all. Did smart. But I want to go to one pick, though, Pat, I know you've been waiting to talk about. Hmm, I wonder which one that is. So we're going to skip a little bit around here. Do we have to talk about the New England Patriots? Yeah. So, yeah, pick number 15, uh, the New England Patriots took Mac Jones, quarterback, out of Alabama. You know, this is the one that was circled on everybody's draft board the Patriots were thinking about. He, you know, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick have that kind of partnership, per se. Great minds think alike. Yeah, yeah. And this is now the future of the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about this? I'm, I'm all right with it. I'm excited for it. You know, he had a very good press conference uh, that night. Uh, that I watched a little bit of on Twitter, uh, where he said, you know, they talked to him about Cam and, and potentially starting over Cam. He's like, listen, I'm just here to do, you know, he's already in, he's already in that Patriot way where they're trying to get him to say, oh yeah, I'd like to start over Cam Newton, but he didn't, he didn't take the bait. He's like, listen, I'm just here for whatever they need me to do. I'm happy to be learning from one of the best coaches in the NFL and Bill Belichick. You know, I'm excited for it. It finally, you know, Cam is a good bridge you know it's never easy to replace a legend in oh absolutely in any, in any sport you know Derek Jeter left the Yankees Didi Gregorius did a great job filling in you know you look at Wayne Gretzky leaving you know all the teams he's left Brett Favre leaving the Packers and now I know they realize that had Aaron Rodgers but not every team that has a major star leave gets another great star in behind him so Cam's a good stopgap but let's face it he's not the starter you want for the immediate future and for all the years that the Patriots would draft a quarterback and go, oh, maybe this is finally the guy that they start grooming to be the quarterback after Brady leaves only to trade him away, I can finally sit here and going, that's the quarterback they're going to have. Might be this year, might be next year. I would imagine at some point this year because I imagine the leash is going to be very short on Cam Newton with mistakes and not playing as well with uh, Mac Jones right behind him. You know, But I'm excited. There's a lot to be excited about being a Patriots fan with this pick. Yeah. Jones is that Belichick prototype. So is he going to be throwing for 400 yards a game? Not necessarily. Not immediately. No, not not immediately, but not necessarily either. I mean, it's somebody like in the Brady mold where he's going to win you games. Oh, yeah. But you have to give him time to develop. 
And, oh, yeah. And that's that's the one thing that I'm not saying he's not going to have in New England, but as you touched upon, Cam Newton's going to be on a very, very short leash this uh-huh. year. So if he is not producing right away, they're going to pull him right out. Yeah, because it's not like last year where, okay, Cam's playing poorly. Who are you going to pull him for? Mr. Pick six, his first pass in the NFL, Jared Stidham or Brian Hoyer? Like, no, you're not going to do that. You're gonna you, now. You got if he's not having a good game, you got a guy right behind him that you know is going to be ready to go. Might be a little green, you know, a little wet behind the ears, but you know there's a guy behind him that hey, listen, things are going well. We got a guy behind him that can probably do it. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, he's going to be on a very very slippery slope uh-huh. that Cam needs to produce right away. Otherwise, they're just going to yank him right right aside. And Cam's and- got to produce, especially with they got a great offensive line. They added all those weapons on offensive side of the ball. You know they've got they added Aguilar, Kendrick uh, Bourne. Uh, uh, you've got added the two tight ends, uh, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. Like you've got a lot of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. I realize Cam's not a passing quarterback, but with those guys, especially the two t- two tight ends, which were the two best free agent tight ends in the class. You got no excuses. Exactly. So you just gotta give him some time. That's the only thing with Belichick, but. They make moves better than anybody. Oh yeah, and I know, and I know, uh, McDaniel's is gonna have a lot of fun with Mac Jones. Well, I think so too. I think that he is better suited for his offense than Cam Newton is. Mm-hmm. I think Cam is Cam is Cam, and it's not to take anything away from him, but Cam is used to a certain style, that North Turner style. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like the saying goes: you can't te- teach an old dog new tricks. Cam is, let's face it, he's an old dog, and you, yeah. can't, you can't exactly reinvent the wheel with him. Exactly. So Patriots got their guy. And let's see if Mac Jones can break the Alabama curse. I don't know, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Let's jump to number 20, though. And that was the New York Giants, because I know Coach isn't here, but we do have to mention about their first-round pick. Yeah. And with that pick from Chicago. Yep. Uh, they took a wide receiver from Florida in uh, Kadarius Tooney. Tony? Tooney? Tony. Tony. Thank you. Yes. And this one I know that fans were mad about. There, I think a few were also going, wait, who? He flies under the radar. But let me tell you this, Giants fans. He's a solid number two. He will do some good moves for you. He's speedy as all heck. He will be somebody that can make big plays happen if you give him the opportunity. So I have to say, I thought they drafted a very smart move here. I thought the Giants had a really good draft overall. Yeah, uh, I pulled off his uh, stats. His last year at Florida, he caught 70 balls for 984 yards, 10 touchdowns. He averaged averaged, and this is in the goddamn SEC, which is impressive as all fucking hell, he averaged 14.1 yards a catch. Exactly. Yo. He's going to make plays that Evan Ingram hasn't done since he's been a pro. Just going to put that out there. Giants, like I said, I thought they drafted very smart. The era of judges upon us. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things to be happy about with the Giants. Like, I don't know if they're going to make a run this year, but I give them another year or so. And depending on how, if you get anything out of Daniel Jones or you got to hit the reset button, one of the two. Yeah. The Giants are making steps in the right direction. Can't be mad about that pick at all. No. Definitely want to make a quick mention. The Pittsburgh Steelers, I thought, made an amazing pick with Najee Harris, yeah. the running back from Alabama. I had him circled on my board. When he was falling, I was like, oh, please, please somehow – Buffalo trade up with Minnesota. Especially with every, jumping. especially with Harris. Everything you hear about the guy, you can't hate him. No. Like, it's phys- it's like hating Santa Claus. You just unless you're in Philly, you can't do it. Yeah. I'm a big fan of him and I just his, his the work he does outside of football. I mean, Christ, what was it? He drove like a couple hundred miles from like another state or farther up the state or whatever it was 
to go to the Alabama Pro Day to support his teammates. Yes. And he also was having events for the community. Like, he has been doing a lot. Dude's going to win the Walter Payton Award, like, inside two years. Hands down. Going on a limb. Steelers made a hell of a pick. This guy is a better Le'Veon Bell without the drama. Facts. So. Facts. I will tell you this right now. This is a fantasy football steal right here. Go get him. Because he's going to get the ball a lot. Whether it's being passed to or running. The only thing that worries me, and I always talk about Alabama curses. Usually the running backs, because there's so much tread on the tire, they only got about a four-year window of their prime. True. But you know what? The Steelers made probably the smartest move here in, in oh, getting Oh, yeah, and you know he's going to, especially with fantasy, you know he's going to be a starter because James Conner is gone, you know, not in Pittsburgh anymore. After that, they've got Benny Snell Jr., which, who? Uh, yeah. They've got Anthony McFarlane Jr., which, who? And then they've got Kalen Balaje, who, again, who? I know I'm sounding like the New Day, but who the fuck are you? Yeah. Who the fuck are you? Yeah, I like I say, I think that the Steelers definitely made the smart move, and it's the Steelers. There's certain teams you know are going to get in the draft and just be smart. Mm-hmm. Steelers are always one of them. They rarely misfire on picks. Rarely. Not to say they bat a 1,000, because they don't, but it's rare they miss, and this one is a no-brainer. And let us close out the first round talking about those Buffalo Bills, shall we? Do we have to? Well, I think we just have oh, to. Sure. I mean, I have to. So obviously, Bill's picking at number thirty. It's a weird thing for me. I get mm-hmm. it. I so say you weren't you weren't quite used to having to wait that long. No, no, I'm not. But you know what? I was okay with this, so I'm not mad about it. Uh, they took Greg Rousseau from Miami as an edge rusher. Yeah, sure. Not mad about the pick. Uh, the only thing you got to wait and see. Obviously, he's got a lot of upside. Mm-hmm. Physical tools are there. Is and I think the Bills realized with their picks they needed to get quick and athletic in a hurry. Yeah. So, I, and I think that game against Kansas City really turned them on to that. Oh, yeah. I think they got exposed in, in uh, areas. And I know that all the uh, national media has been ripping on them because they didn't take a running back or trade up for one. Look, folks, let me break something down to you. It doesn't matter who they got in the backfield. Even if they had Najee Harris, which I would have completely lost my mind if they did. They don't have that great of a line. They need to upgrade. Mm-hmm. And granted, yeah. Yeah. They, they did make some moves. Spencer Brown, their third-round pick from Northern Iowa. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be a big help. Tommy Doyle, their fifth-round pick from Miami of Ohio. That could be a big pick, too. It's something that they need to address with their line first before they get a decent running back. Now, can Moss come back and do something this year? I hope. Yeah, you would hope, yeah. But if he doesn't, the Bills adapted to without a running game. Is it going to hurt them long-term if they try making a playoff run? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. But they need to get something out of that offensive line, and plus they needed to get quicker on defense because they got exposed. And it's yeah. it's not to say that their defense isn't good. It was one of the best in the league last year. But you need to get quicker. You need to get more athletic to compete with the Kansas Cities. They understand that. And that's what their two picks of Rousseau and Basham for the, you know, the edge and the defensive ends. Mm-hmm. They got smart about it. I think Basham is probably their best pick that he did for the defensive end. Probably. They need to put more pressure on a quarterback. They haven't done that. I mean, they did a decent job of it. I shouldn't say that they didn't do a good job. But they got to get better. That's the overall end-all, be-all about this. So the Bills, I thought, did a solid draft. Like, I gave it a B. Sure. But I'm not mad about it because they didn't have too many holes to fix. I know the big one everybody talks is running back. But listen, like I touched upon, fix the line first. Then it doesn't matter who you got in the backfield. They'll put up points. They'll put up yards. Well, and I, especially I think with the running back class this year, like it wasn't really all that sexy. 
Like it, well, like, it wasn't all that. Like there were a couple of good picks in there that like, oh yeah, that'd be decent. But it's not like, oh, you got it. You have to go out and get this guy. Like this is a generational running back that you need to get. Right. No, I mean, between Atain and, and Harris there, I mean, that was the only two that I was like, okay, if you want to go get somebody, those are the two to do. Yeah. I mean, there are some other serviceable backs that have been drafted, but for me, that was the two that stood out. So if the Bills weren't going to make a run for him, and they didn't need to mortgage the farm, too, to go get him. No. But if they fell into their laps, yeah, sure, it would make a lot of sense. But after that, it's like go find somebody in undrafted free agency. You can you can make some moves now and do something there. So it'll be interesting to see. But let's close out talking about the draft. So, Pad, mm-hmm. who do you think had the best draft? Who do you think had the worst? I mean, it might sound like a homer, but I really loved the Patriots picks between Mac Jones and then some of the other picks they made on the defensive defensive side of the ball. It just made all the sense in the world for what they did. The only knock I would give him is I would have taken a cornerback at some point, mm-hmm. just because with Stephon Gilmore's future up in the air, he's on he's on the uh, books and with them for this year. But I think past that, he's a free agent, I believe. So that's the only area I would have addressed, given that you you would imagine he wants to stay in the Patriot way and and be on have that opportunity to win championships. But let's not forget. Money talks, and he being defensive player of the year award winner, and as good as he is, he's going to fetch some high prices from some other teams. So with the with the prospect and the possibility that he could be out the door in a in a calendar less than a calendar year's time, I would have addressed that, but I can't fault him for it. No, I can't either. Also, Nike the dog showed up again, so they win. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, as much as I hate to say it, Miami had a solid draft. I thought they did very well. Mm-hmm. I hate saying it, but we'll have to see if it turns out to work on the field. Yeah. But I thought on paper they did a lot of good moves. I like the Giants moves a lot, like I touched upon, so I thought those two had probably the best drafts of anybody. Yeah. I think Dallas also is pretty smart in theirs. I thought the team that stuttered a little bit mm-hmm. was New Orleans Saints. Yeah. Wasn't super impressed with them, and yeah. I know I'm going to get an angry DM about this one. But Ian Book, fourth round, uh, is not a bad pick. Is I could possibly contend for the job. I, I feel Coach's spirit coursing through me. Put some respect on his name. Yeah, I know. I could, I could just hear him screaming now. What? But with their picks, I think filling the void of Drew Brees, they need to do some more It's going to be tough to fill. It's going to be tough. I mean, Jameis Winston, I mean, who knows what you're going to get out of him. Serviceable, but we haven't really seen him in the New Orleans offense. Yeah, and Taysom Hill, I mean. It's Taysom Hill. Yeah, so they definitely have a lot of uncertainty there. I think they're going to struggle a little bit this year. Yeah. But, yeah. but we'll have to kind of wait to see how it pans out for them. But like I say, on paper, I thought that they did not do the best. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see how it pans out. But now we go into the offseason with a little more clear-cut predictions of where everybody's going. The NFL draft lived up to the hype. I mean, Cleveland was a great host city for it. No, yeah, it was. I mean, I'll bet the only weird thing about the NFL draft was – uh, Roger Goodell's chair being on the stage, which I got because the world fell in love with his chair in last year's NFL draft. But it, I'll, I'm just going to say, it was weird to every time they cut back to the stage when it was time to announce the draft to see Roger Goodell walking out there, walking past who, whatever fan was lucky enough to sit in that chair. And we don't know how the hell, maybe I missed that, we don't know how the hell they picked the fans to sit in those chairs. The first one was they, they just picked a person out of the stands. Mm-hmm. That was just weird to me. Like, if you're going to have them up there on stage, at least pick a couple of them if they're comfortable with it to read the pick. Like, hey, you're there. You're on stage. You're the first people back in an NFL draft in over a calendar year. Do something with it. Well, I think they wanted to say that the NFL is back and we are back as fans. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that was the big message they were trying to send with that. 
I thought it was weird, but I get it because they really are just trying to stress a sense of normalcy with it. Sure. Draft. I will say shout out to the guy that was cosplaying as Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. He was the MVP as Spot the Spot on. Spot on. But the NFL draft lived up to the hype. A lot of moves by a lot of teams. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What was your take on the NFL draft? How did your team do? Did you think they got an A or you think they got an F? Let's have the discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game for a Movie where we ask, are you game for a movie? Tell me, Andre. There's no special features on that goddamn DVD. All right? Oh, wow. For Hansel and Gretel? Hansel and Gretel. You have a DVD of Hansel and Gretel. She basically has sex with it somehow. Foreplay. Yes. She's she's chair foreplay. I mean, they knocked it out of the park, which is why it's my number three. Oh! Oh. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't be in it because this movie doesn't have women. But, you know, that's why I was making it right. It has one? You would have three lines of dialogue. That's how much three. Okay. So I'm actually going to get, like, I actually get, like, I earn my, my my four sentences of dialogue rather than, like, here, have a paycheck. You just stood there on the screen. You're a sexy lamp. Anyway, we're not Phoenix, too. So, no. Because they really hate each other, so we get to enjoy some wonderful comedic scenes of them hating each other so much that they get into physical altercations that include her biting detective, ex-detective Phillips's dick. Okay. But we don't. Okay. I, I know all of those words were English, but the way you <laughs> constructed yeah, them, I'm I, lost. I'm not, I'm not flying their ratings on <laughs> very well. For those who haven't rated us or uh, liked or given us a review, don't say that we haven't given you anything of value after listening to this podcast. You now know the difference between an R-rated dick and an NC-17 X-rated dick. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And we got to talk a little bit more about some NFL news slash rumors. Uh-huh. Because it was leaked out during this NFL draft. Oh, boy. And this is something that we briefly have touched upon on social media a little bit. So if you're not following us at OD Parlay Hour and our respective links, you should be following because we interact. Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. has apparently let it slip out. Allegedly. Allegedly. That he wants out of Green Bay. This is so messy. I, I think they might need to give the, the old Dr. Phil a call. Holy sugar cookies, Pad. So as, <laughs> as it stands, there's a lot of talk that he's contemplating retirement. Yeah. He wants to get rid of the GM. This, which... get, this gets net. Like, this already started off weird when the story came out and it leaked out on day one of the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of snowballed from there where it's just it's one of those stories where every day it just gets weirder and weirder. Yeah, it and just, not in a good way. It just doesn't make a lot of sense of what has transpired. I mean, obviously we know that Aaron Rodgers is, was not exactly happy mm-hmm. about them taking a quarterback in the first round last year. Uh-huh. And his disdain has really grown. Yeah. That he's almost been doing this. Yeah. Basically, is to give the middle finger to the Packers organization saying, I'm going to win on my own. And he already wasn't real happy and real thrilled because we all remember when Mike McCarthy was the head coach uh, of the Packers, he was McCarthy and the offensive coordinator or whoever would say, all right, run this play. And he'd be like, yeah, no, that's good. I'm going to do something else. Yeah. He's always been somebody that really, when he inherited the role of the team, he mm-hmm. really ran with it and it is his team. And it's not to say that he doesn't 
earn that right. Yeah. I mean, he's on that level of a Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. of, a, of a Tom Brady, mm-hmm. Drew Brees, yeah. of some of those quarterbacks that we know that are those franchise guys that take over games by themselves. Yeah. And Rodgers has done that. I mean, he's great. He's made good wide receivers great. He's done tremendous things with oh, the Packers yeah. organization oh, to yeah. make him contenders every year that he's played. It doesn't look great. When you, if you just consider championships, because he's only got the one, he's only been the one time, but statistically, it's been a fantastic career. Yeah, fant- he's st- statistically he's done it. And then, like I say, to see this dissolve as quick as it has, because oh, the only oh. thing he's ever said before is he needs help. Yeah, and he wanted the team to kind of build around him instead of build over him. And now, this is just kind of more of a shock news that he has come out publicly and said, "I want out." Now, granted, it's been heavily rumored that their general manager, Brian Gutenst, has been the antagonist for this whole deal. Sure. That he does not get along with the GM, and it is something that has now caused the ripple effect. That sure. If it, Aaron Rodgers is to come back, he has to leave, hmm. and they have to get a new GM. Like hmm. That is kind of the overall vibe. Yeah. So, Pad, how do you think this is all going to play out? Not well. Uh, there, There is no easy way... This ends because I feel I feel there's, you know, like a Brady when he was with the Patriots feel to this where there's a lot more going on here than what we're aware of. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, this is like kind of the edge of a cliff in the underwater that like the depths of this water just go deeper than we know, because you got to figure that there's more to it than he just doesn't like the general manager, that he's probably pissed about some of the moves he make, not not limited to taking a quarterback last year in the draft when you really could have used an offensive weapon to and I'm guessing probably and I'm realize I'm projecting and maybe I'm wrong but maybe the camel that broke the straw the straw that broke the camel's back was free agency this offseason where they really didn't add anybody you know they didn't really lose anybody they didn't really add anybody of note and I realize Packers fans may be going well wait a minute they added so and so and such and such None of them are real big headliner moves where it's like, holy shit, they added. This is really going to change them offensively on the on the offensive side of the ball. This is going to change them. Def- this is going to make their defense all that much better. Maybe it's just a, like a Brady situation where he's just tired of playing the game, doing what he has to do, and not getting shit in return for it. It could be. I mean, Rodgers has literally left it all on the field. I mean, remember that one Sunday night game where he was – pretty much unconscious and uh-huh. came back to beat the bears. Oh my God. And he was high on medication. Yeah. You could definitely allegedly, but you could definitely tell like he, he was, was slurring his speech. Yeah. He should probably not have been on the field, but he left it all on there for the Packers fans and yeah. to win the game. So Rogers has always been that competitor, but to see how he feels about the organization, at least the general manager and the moves they made. I mean, obviously when you draft Jordan love in the first round to, as your successor, mm-hmm. that's going to cause a problem, especially for Rogers who has been in the MVP conversation conversation for how long now yeah to see them pull a move like this it's very puzzling and now you're gonna you've now angered your mvp quarterback that could leave early yeah i mean it, it's kind of like a, like they say in pro wrestling and i know bruce pritchard has said it but he's probably not the originator of the phrase but like in pro wrestling you have to keep your big stars happy mm-hmm. or else they're gonna leave you know this this is said can be said with rogers where he's clearly not happy the Packers aren't doing anything to keep him happy and he's ready to leave. And he's, and, and it's not just, you know, it's not just trade me. I want to go to some other team. 
he's ready to sit at home and not play and have them pay him. Yeah, and he can obviously do it at this stage. I mean, what else is there left for him to do? And he's been there, what, 16 years? And at I know least, it's, yeah. it's always been the rule of thumb that no Packer quarterback has played more than 16 years with the team. Yeah, bizarrely. Uh, Bart Starr only played 16. Brett Favre only played 16. Rodgers is on his 16th and might be out. That's a really bizarre stat. It's a crazy thing to see. So Maybe it's a curse. It, it might be a curse, but it's something that – we have to sit here and watch because I think the only way this gets resolved is they get rid of the GM. But has we ever seen in the NFL mm-hmm. a power play like this where your star quarterback has forced out personnel? No. I mean, not that we're maybe not that we're aware of. Yeah, like I say not that there's we're aware pro- of. There's probably been instances behind the scenes back before the social media days mm-hmm. where it was real easy to send a text message or a direct message to you know, the Ian Rappaports or the the Adam Schefters. And I'm not throwing those reporters under the bus, but it's right, right. but it's real easy and I'm just looking because I'm looking at the Packers depth chart. It's and I'm just gonna pick a random name. It's real easy for a guy like Devin Funches, who hears something going on in the back room of the Packers to hit up Ian Rappaport on Twitter, hit up Adam Schefter on Twitter and find that out. It it wasn't quite so easy back in the day. You know, it's a little more tight lipped, things were a little different, but I can't think of the last time this has happened in the NFL. I it just you don't hear about this too much in the NFL. No. I mean, more so in the NBA, but that's a player-driven league. Yeah, more so than the NFL is. I mean, LeBron. That, yeah, more than the NFL by a long shot. I mean, it's just the NFL. Usually, you have the organizations that are like the Steelers or yeah. the Patriots, where yeah. if, if you don't like what the organization is doing, they just release you outright and say good luck yep. elsewhere. Yep. This is something Green Bay I don't think is comfortable with. No. And I don't get the and they've vibe. And they've been here before. They don't want to be here again, but here they are. Yeah, it's just one of those situations that. What's that saying about uh, not learning from history? You exactly. Know. You wind up repeating it. And now you have to think, okay, what is Coach Matt LaFleur going to do? And do you dare start love over Rodgers if he's no. this disgruntled? I mean, you can't. No. This, this, is just, this isn't. Rodgers taking over for Favre. No, I, which I agree. I, which hindsight ended up working for him, obviously. But at the time, I don't think we knew that. There there was no way we could have known Rodgers was going to be as good as he is. You can't start Jordan Love over Aaron Rodgers under any circumstances. Because the only reason I throw that notion out is if he takes the side of the GM here and the GM says you have to sit Rodgers. I mean, I almost uh, it, it, that, it, it's up to the head coach. Though. That's a well. That's why I said. But if the GM is arguing the head coach, I mean, it, it becomes this big power struggle that it's going it, to it, it's going to get turned into a movie. Oh, it's, it it's going to be because how do you go against Aaron Rodgers? I mean, and your fan base will go completely this, crazy. This about is this. benching. This would be benching one of the best players you've had in your team's history. Now I realize that's a long list, and there's a lot of great players who played for. Green Bay on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. But Aaron Rodgers is in that class of talent where he will be in Canton someday. He will be in his number retired with the Green Bay Packers in the wall in the circle of fame or whatever they have that they, they call it. That he will go down in history as one of the best Packers players of all time. It just depends on when you were born in your opinion. Mm-hmm. But to me, you just it, to me it's like if you had Wayne Gretzky in, in his prime on your hockey team and you go, you know what, we're gonna sit you tonight. We know you're healthy and we know you're ready to go and you're 100%, but we're going to sit you. You just don't do it. Oh, I agree. Like, I don't think they should. But the only reason I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here is if it comes off to a standoff, who's going to blink first? The organization or Aaron Rodgers? Organization. 
You'd hope so. But then again, do they want to set that precedent? Because the, the interesting thing with the Packers is, don't forget, they don't have one owner. They have, like, these zillion owners. Right. It's an interesting play that I just, sitting here watching him going, how is this all going to shape out? Because other than them firing the GM, I don't see this shaping up to be anything positive. I, th- I think that I think they end up firing the GM because, let's remember, they've been here before. They got rid of Favre and put in Rodgers. And let's face it, Favre had a couple good years, but he didn't really burn them. You know, they sent no, him, I get you. They sent him to the Jets. He had an okay, ten, you know, that's a special tenure with the Jets. And he went to Minnesota. He had a couple. Yeah, that one great year. He had the one great year with Minnesota, but the wheels were falling off at that point. Rodgers has shown no signs of the wheels falling off at any point. Like, he's not in the same place, you know, with his health that uh, Favre was at this point. Mm-hmm. So if you let. Rogers go, especially with some of the teams that are being mentioned that he wants to go to, it will come back and bite you in the ass. Oh, it absolutely will. I mean, this is just one of the situations that for the NFL, we don't see this happen. Often, no. Where the you're having a standoff now between the player and the organization, and there's a real sense that the player is going to win this and have a GM fired. Only thing I can think of that like a player having issue with the team and wanting gone is Terrell Owens. Well, there's been, yeah, I mean, there's I mean, been there are Terrell Owens and the sit-ups in his driveway. Oh, there's been times that, I mean, the players have argued with the teams. But I'm saying in this sense, this is different in the sense of you have arguably the most popular player in that franchise history. In that state's history. Right. And can you, as the organization, take that PR hit? Oh, no. By trading him? No. Or letting it end like this? Like, that's the one question, because I know what they did with Favre. And it was a different thing, because Favre was on the back end of the career, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, you saw the drop-off. I mean, he was the Iron Man of the sport, and how, I mean, Christ, how did he survive through all those seasons is beyond me, but, you know, kudos to him. It is one of those weird situations that you see and now you have to see who's going to blink first. Mm-hmm. There's no way they can do it because the fans will hear about it for the rest of their lives and for the rest of time. The ownership will hear about it for the rest of time. That it'll become a it'll become a talking point where it's like, oh yeah, no, the Packers are good, but how the fuck do you trade Aaron Rodgers? Well, that's going to be the argument moving forward because you know Denver's in that conversation. Yeah, yeah, and I and you can also see there will be a team they won't trade with Minnesota. No, God. But, no. but for the teams that need they did, it, they, they, they avoided that once. Right. But for the teams that need a quarterback. Yeah. And like, let's say hypothetically, some team throws three first round picks. Let's say, because I'm looking at AFC East, don't need a quarterback. Uh, AFC North, don't really need a quarterback. AFC South, Houston could use a quarterback at this point. Right. Uh, Jet, but Indy, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Tennessee, not really. Uh, AFC West, Denver obviously needs a quarterback. Vegas, maybe. I know he's been tied to the Raiders, and the Raiders' name has gotten thrown out there, but, yeah, maybe. NFC East, not really. I mean. Daniel Jones replacement? Giants. I mean, listen, if he if the opportunity comes up for the Giants to take Aaron Rodgers, they're going to do it. You do it in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Uh, NFC North, not going to happen. AFC, NFC South, I mean, New Orleans. New Orleans would be a New very interesting power play. Can you imagine Rodgers with fucking Sean Payton and that offense? That would be dynamic. Yo. You're dropping 50 a game. And then NFC West, no, they don't need – so, like, it's very limited options. So, it's it's literally like they trade him away, which is dumber than dumb. You patch this up, which good fucking luck, or you let him sit at home and collect money. 
It's a weird scenario. It's that we're, a lot of money. It's I know, but this is such a weird story to be talking about with the NFL. Especially with Rodgers because he's never been this type of guy. He's been known to speak his mind and say his piece in kind of like a calculated, you know, deliberate way without coming across as a dick. But yeah. he's never been this kind of like way about voicing his opinion. It's a fascinating discussion. So let's turn it over to you, the ODPH Society. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. How does this all play out? Does Aaron Rodgers stay or does he go? We want to have that discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Wednesday Pull List, your friendly neighborhood geek podcast hosted by two old friends. My name is Lex. And I'm Simon. Come check us out for all your comic book reviews, collectible news, and all your geeky nerd news that you're looking for throughout your week. Dropping new episodes every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Check us out on all our social media at Wednesday Pull. Back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast and time to talk some wrestling. Wrestling. So as we record tonight, AEW, All Elite Wrestling, has a big card Allegedly. on their show. Allegedly. This is their quote-unquote blood and guts match. Wasn't this supposed to... No, I'm, I will say, uh, disclaimer for those of you tuning in for the first time, I am not an AEW viewer. I'm aware of what's going on a little bit. I'm familiar uh, with the men and women, the folks over in AEW. Uh, but I'm not a viewer. Wasn't this supposed to happen a while ago? Yeah, this was supposed to happen a while ago, but unfortunately with everything going on, they wanted to do this in front of a live crowd because originally gotcha. it was supposed to be the elite, gotcha. uh, you know, taking on the inner circle, and they wound up doing the uh, stampede match right. at the stadium and stuff. Right. So this has kind of changed hands a little bit a couple times, but now we are finally back to doing their version of War Games. And it's going to be taking place on free TV, well, TNT Network, so obviously you're paying for cable. And that'll be happening tonight with the pinnacle Mm -hmm. MJF, salute to the best heel in the business, Uh, and his group of FTR, Wardlow, and Sean Spears taking on that inner circle. I have to remember to say inner and not innerd. I know, easy, easy slip. Yeah, but definitely shout out to our friends over in the innerd circle. I know they're big listeners of the ODPH. So that is going to be going on with Chris Jericho leading Jack Hager, Sammy Guevara, and Santana Ortiz into battle tonight. Mm. So, Pad, I know that you're not an AEW fan. Nope. And you've admitted this, and this is nothing wrong. I am an AEW fan. I do watch it, and uh, we'll be definitely live tweeting during the event. So, Pad, do you know what a blood and guts match is? No, although, let's face it, after the last uh, gimmick match they had, uh, this better deliver. So, I'm going to comicbook.com for this. Okay. So I'm getting the official breakdown. So the inner, to quote them, the inner circle against the pinnacle is a roofed steel cage that surrounds a pair of wrestling rings. Okay. The match will begin with one man from each team. So Sammy Guevara has already announced, he said on Dynamite last week, that he was going to be uh, starting for the inner circle. Sure. He's going to be taken on. Um, after a five-minute period, you'll have a newcomer come in. The pinnacle has the advantage, so they'll get consistently a team member coming in first. Out of everybody. Okay. New competitor comes in every two minutes, and the match does not begin until all ten men are in the ring. So what does this sound like to you? War Games. Exactly. Just they can't say War Games because WWE has the trademark. Yes. Allegedly, the only way this match ends is for a wrestler to be knocked out or submitted. I would say also their guts come out, but, well, that probably won't happen. Yeah, I mean, we've already had weird stuff happen in wrestling, but, hey, it's, you know, it is what it is. Ray Mysterio's eye. What am I saying? Um, And to, like I said, that was all information from comicbook.com. 
And Chris Jericho in that also article is clarified that there is a distinct difference between war games and blood and guts. I, I'll wait and kind of pass judgment on that when I see the highlights. But as of right now, I'm saying there's really not a difference. Unless they do some real wild ass. Unless the ring, lo- unless the ring looks like utterly polarly opposite, different than what a war games ring looks like. It doesn't sound much different than a war games match. It definitely doesn't. But AEW has a lot of writing on this. I feel. Yeah. I mean, with the amount of hype, I mean, we remember the stadium stampede. That was the elite <laughs> versus the inner circle, and I mean the that whole, was a f- the horse riding down the field. Yeah, I mean wrestling, folks. It is what it is. They do deliver on some interesting moments. Yeah. I think that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. This match has a lot going on it, and they have to deliver because with all the hype that we've had to see, what is this monstrosity well, that is? It, it, like I said, especially with the egg they got on their face the last time with the, the light bulb barbed wire match. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have to rebound. I mean, especially that was a pay-per-view match that was not well-received nope. for the ending, and obviously how many times you hear a different story about the ending. I mean, you can go on from that. When you when you say the whole ring's going to explode, the whole, I don't care if it's gimmick, the ring better fucking explode. And it it didn't. Yeah, and, and you know the multiple stories you heard about why and why not. I mean, it is what it is. So I'm not super mad about that, but I think that they need to rebound with a strong match, especially this is headlining a special event for your show. Yeah. So especially with no NXT on, like we touched upon. Yep. You really got to do something to drive a big rating. Yeah, I mean, this is like if WWE were to do like a Hell in a Cell match, you know, on uh, just an, at what middle of the month in in between middle in between pay per views episode of raw or smackdown yeah like if you're pulling out that big because like they don't do hell in a cell matches on free tv they typically for my recollection just do save it for pay-per-views if you're pulling out you know a, a gimmick match for free tv it better deliver it definitely should and i think they need to especially coming off the heels of a fantastic nxt last night mm-hmm. as we record on usa when the women's tag team street fight yeah, oh yeah between shotzi blackheart and ember moon against Damn. the way and you want to talk about a show stealer this is the way fantastic and new uh-huh. champions too in the way uh like i could really go on and on about that but i think i'm gonna say that for falls or uh blocks count anywhere uh coming out later this week but for AEW, like i said they have a good build-up for the card tonight so i think they should do decently in the ratings I think that this will generate a lot of buzz to see what is this all going to be about. And, Pat, you got the card in front of you for tonight? Yeah, so also, so you've got the one match we mentioned. Uh, you've also got Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa versus John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. So this match, i got to say, first and foremost, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston is the buddy film I need to see in my life. Uh-huh. I just want to see him hanging out in bars, talking everything. That's all I want. I don't want anything else. I just need them talking because Eddie Kingston, let's face it, is, is arguably their best guy on the microphone. Could they remake They Live and make those two the stars? Oh, or? give it to me. Oh, let's make it happen. And obviously, they're dealing with their storyline they've had on AEW, and it was kind of weird that when Eddie Kingston – confronted Kenny Omega and Don Callis. He had to make his deal like what he wanted. He wanted a tag match instead of a world title match. I don't understand it, but it is what it is. Reasons. Reasons. You know, it's, it's kind of just very puzzling. But we get that tonight. So I think uh, Michael Nakasawa is going to get uh, completely, you know, wiped out in this match. Probably. Like, some bad things are going to happen to him. Probably. What else we got going? Uh, you've got Cody Rhodes taking on QT Marshall. So if you actually care about this feud... This is going to be something for you. My only question is, will there be pyro? Oh, okay. I know you don't watch the show. Oh, but I'm I know familiar you... with the running joke, though. Oh, my God. So they've been setting up. One thing AEW, in case you're not familiar with uh, ODPH Society, is they love to do factions. 
and I forget how yeah. many they have. It's over 10. I know that much. It's a lot. And every time we get this faction-on-faction faction nonsense, it never really goes anywhere. And they've been trying to sell this whole story about how QT Marshall has broken away and started his own nightmare family known as the Factory. <laughs> and he has a bunch of guys that are at his wrestling school, I, I believe so, that are training with him, and they're part of the wrestlers there against the Nightmare family, which is Cody's family of you know wrestlers that he has under him too. And last week they had the big fight where Cody came back, and they were fighting on top of his bus, and I was expecting Pyro to go off there. Didn't really care about it. Don't care about this feud at all. And I'm fully expecting we're going to have some Pyro going off on here too. I mean, the, the, the premise and the backstory of this sounds like, you know, they've seen one too many 80s karate movies. Yeah, but it's like because like just the way you're describing it is like oh you have the guy who's under the tutelage of this one this one school or this one person, then he got pissed and left and formed his own and now he wants to fight the former master. It's like okay, I've heard this before. Yeah, well, it's just a weird thing about how they try to explain the nightmare family, and that's Cody's brand, and it's you right, know everybody's right. connecting them. And like I said, at one point they had like 15 members. And then suddenly, like sounds like NWO back in the day. Yeah, and we all know the QT was his like assistant with that, and he was part of that group. And we know he does a, a wrestling school. That's why I said I think a lot of these folks are from that school. Yeah, but they're part of the Nightmare Family, and then they did the big turn, and nobody cares. And like, I'm sorry, I'm just I'm not invested in this feud. I, I just don't care. I mean, it's not moving any needle for me because I'll face it. One of the things I don't like about AEW is there's a million and one factions. It's hard to keep track of. It's hard to keep track of, and it's hard to care because not always they're on TV. I'd much rather have some consistency on my two hours of dynamite than let's throw in somebody I should be watching on YouTube and it just doesn't connect. I mean, that's just my opinion on it, folks. But what else we got, Pat? Uh, you've got a four-way tag team eliminator match between SCU, Jurassic Express, Varsity Blondes, and The Acclaimed. So this should actually be a really good match. The Acclaimed is a, a great tag team that's up and coming. Jurassic Express is Jurassic Express. And SCU... You kind of already have tipped their hat. They said the next time they lose, they're breaking up. Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian are mm-hmm. setting up for a match against the Young Bucks, yep. who have now turned full heel. They're doing the weird uh, Dior gimmick. It is what it is. Uh, I think that this match is going to be great. Even you know, even with the Varsity Blondes in there, I mean, they're very yeah. underrated. But I, this one is all SCU all day, and it's going to set up probably for their match at Double or Nothing when that gets uh, going on May thirtieth, I believe. So stay tuned for that. We'll be talking about that more as the mm-hmm. weeks progress. Yeah, and then the last bit of uh, news I'm reading off of uh, for this card is uh, Britt Baker will be in action. What it says involving, don't know, doesn't say, but Britt Baker will be there. She should be getting a world title shot sooner than later. I know that finally she's number one contender on the rankings because, you know, wins and losses matter. But she's their best. Took them a couple years. She's their yeah. best heel going, so she definitely should be doing something fun tonight. And like I say, just give her the title match. Yeah. At double or nothing, and let's get the Baker era going, folks. Yeah. It's been long overdue. So all that is going to be going on Wednesday night on the TNT Network or wherever you catch AEW, wherever you're listening to the show on. And definitely want to give them a quick plug because we did get the press release from them today that they're going to be starting their own online shop. Hmm. So if you're looking for any AEW gear, check out global.shopaew.com. So you're going to be able to go there, check out a lot of different uh, T-shirts and merchandise from them. So definitely swing on over, check them out, and uh, see what they got going on because they definitely are making a big push about this. So you definitely want to go check it out. And that is not the only wrestling news we have, Pad. No. Break it down for us. So uh, premiering, I believe, uh, this Thursday, May Mm -hmm. 6th, uh, is episode one of season three of Dark Side of the Ring, the acclaimed very good uh, ser- series on the kind of the quote well dark side of wrestling, the not so nice side of wrestling. 
uh, and some of the topics that will be covered uh, this season on Dark Side of the Ring uh, will be, uh, well, the first episode is going to be about Brian Pillman. Yes, uh, which looks fantastic, too, yep. by the way. Uh, you've got an episode about Nick Gage. Uh, the Collision in Korea, which for those who may not know, uh, is the 1995 WCW and New Japan uh, event in North Korea. Uh, yeah, I'm going to need an explanation on that one because what the fuck? Yeah, you got to check that one. That's that's a whole different ball of wax, my friend. Uh, Ultimate Warrior. Well, let's get real weird. Yep. Uh, Grizzly Smith, Dynamite Kid, uh, Johnny K9, a.k.a. Bruiser Bedlam, the Steroids Trials, uh, Vince McMahon's 1994 trial. Mm-hmm. FMW. Yep. My most anticipated episode of the season, because I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, the Plane Ride from Hell, which is the infamous WWE flight back from the European tour in 2002. The reason I'm excited for this is because between Jim Ross, Bruce Prichard, and a couple other folks, none of them tell the same story. None of them have the same facts everyone's a little bit different about the whole thing and it's not because people remember differently uh I, this is one of the most infamous moments in wrestling and i cannot wait for this i'm super excited about this i mean we i know we touched about on dark side of the ring before but this is the full lineup that we have so we have all the shows that they're gonna be doing about this year this one is standing out for a lot uh-huh. of different reasons if you don't know about the plane ride from hell undertaker's involved and he wanted to kill somebody or choke somebody yeah Yep, and a door almost flew off, if I'm not mistaken. And, the, and when we say door, we're not talking the door of a bathroom. We're talking the door of the plane yeah. that led outside. Yes. So Somebody wanted to depressurize the cabin. Yeah. Things got over real the ocean, crazy. Over the ocean. Yeah, things got real crazy on this flight. That's Didn't what I say. Vince try to wrestle somebody on this plane? It quite possibly could have happened. I feel, like I've, so, heard, I feel like I've heard that sometimes. There's so many stories about this. That trying to do justice explaining, this is just something of urban legend, that everybody has a take that was on this plane. We're going to see everybody put it together. It's going to be like Motley Cruz the Dirt, where, <laughs> where all four members are talking in the same story, but they all have their different versions. This is going to be the version of the Dirt, yeah, which I cannot wait to see. Yeah. Uh, and then so the, some of the final episodes you've got this season, uh, Luna Vachon. Luna Vachon. Luna Vachon. XPW. Oh, boy, that's going to get interesting. That's going to get fucking weird. And then Chris Canyon. It is a completely interesting lineup they have this year. Like the years past they've done, yep. you learn a lot about the wrestling business that you might not like, but they do tell it in a very professional manner, and you're going to be definitely looking at a lot of wrestlers in different lights. Mm-hmm. It is something for documentary fans that you definitely want to check out because they do a good job about calling it pretty much down the middle, Yeah, and you're definitely going to learn a lot. I mean, I know one episode that always stands out is – uh, never be forgotten is the new Jack episode. Yo, pencil shavings. Uh huh. That's all I'm going to say uh-huh. about that. But this is going to be taking place on Vice starting this Thursday, May 6th. Definitely check it out. Let us know. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What episodes are you most excited to see on Dark Side of the Ring? And are you going to be checking out AEW Blood and Guts? That's what I want to talk about, folks. Are you excited about this? Are you not? And after you watch it, let me know what you think at OD Parlay Hour on Twitter. We hit you with a lot of wrestling. Let's keep that conversation going. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the fifth annual live stream for The Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without, Gerald Morris and Dan Brennick. Over the past four years, the live stream for The Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy. 
training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got for that local minute? Yeah, I got to mention the Binghamton Rumble Ponies because we're not mentioning that other team in the Binghamton area. Or what other formerly team? Formerly of the Binghamton area. Fuck them. Uh, but love the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. Uh, their season started just yesterday. Uh, this is wild. I didn't realize this. It appears that minor league baseball and the Binghamton Rumble Ponies are, and, and minor, minor league baseball at large are playing six game series uh, because I went and looked at their schedule. They opened up the season on the road in Akron. Uh, they lost by the final score of 5-4. to four. Uh, They're currently playing game two against Akron. But they're playing a six-game series against Akron. They make their first homestand this coming Tuesday. It is uh, May 11th uh, against Altoona, where they're playing, again, another six-game series. So all the game times are as follows. Uh, Tuesday the 11th is 6.35. Uh, Wednesday the 12th is at 6.35. Thursday the 13th is 6.35. Friday the 14th is 7.05. Saturday the 15th is 6.35, and then Sunday the 16th is 1.05 Eastern. But yeah, no, it appears that they're doing six-game series because you've got six-game series against Akron, six-game series against Altoona, six-series game against Erie, another six games against uh, Akron, which seems bonkers because they don't normally do six-game series. I know that I think their longest they do is like five, mm-hmm. uh, but I would imagine it's to kind of make up some ground because they didn't start their, they're not starting their season until May where they would have started in like March or April. Yeah, so it's absolutely wild to see. But at least we got local baseball coming back. Yeah. More information on that at BingRP.com. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the Binghamton Bulldogs and shout out to Excite Wrestling too. Yeah. Uh, talking some sports though. Got to mention baseball. Got to mention that great Yankees-Astros game last night and not because the Yankees won. That was probably the wildest game I've seen in quite some time. Talk to him, Pad. Oh, my God. So for those who aren't familiar, uh, fans are back in the stands uh, in Major League Baseball for the first time in quite some time. And I'm not counting the World Series in the postseason because, you know, that is what it is. But for the regular season, fans are obviously back in the stands for the first time. Uh, And at Yankee Stadium last night, I believe it was like 10,000 and change. Uh, I don't have the number in front of me, but I know it was 10,000, but not 11,000. Uh, but holy Christ, they sounded like 100,000 people. They were loud because returning to the Yankee Stadium for the first time since uh, the cheating scandal came out was the Houston Astros. So, asterisks. Asterisks, yes, you're right. Uh, because obviously last year with the pandemic season and shortened season, the Astros did not play the Yankees. You know, they, they played pretty much the AL East and the NL East just to kind of keep things localized. So this is the first time since... Uh, The Astros hit the walk-off home run to win game whatever the ALCS back in 2019 uh, that the Yankees have seen the Astros. And this is the first time Yankees fans have seen the Astros Mm -hmm. since that series. And obviously what came out after that World Series about how the Asterix uh, cheated, they stole signs and banged on a trash can. It was going to be wild, and I hadn't paid attention to the schedule, and I didn't realize this was happening until I got a notification from ESPN where Dusty Baker said in, a, in an interview before the game that it was, he he's like, listen, I know this is going to be wild. This is unprecedented, and it's going to be interesting to see. Yo, I didn't expect how ruthless it was going to be. Uh, they, the, they being the Yankees fans, 
booed the Astros for a solid nine innings. Yep. It did now it wasn't like when Robinson Cano returned to New York after <laughs> after he left where he got booed ruthlessly in the first thing and then it kind of tapered off. No. They booed him solid for nine innings. Like you had fuck all Tuve chance, asshole chance aimed at Alex Bregman. They were unforgiving and it was awesome to see. Well fitting welcome to the Asterix. Uh-huh. I didn't shed a tear. I was applauding. I was dying laughing. See, it's one thing when you get your hand caught in the cookie jar, but when you also mess with a team that has a rich baseball tradition, such as the Yankees, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get well-received, my guys. And you can't tell me they didn't do anything because, let's face it, the Yankees crushed the shit out of them in New York. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, facts. Facts. Like, they ran them out of the building the one game by double digits. Mm Mm-hmm. To then go into New York, into Houston, and all of a sudden they can't get a hit. They can't get an out. You can't tell me they didn't do anything. And the, and the players ha- absolutely have this coming to them because I realize management got hit. They had the $5 million fine or whatever it was. It was an astronomical number. The general manager and the head coach, the manager at that time, got fired. The players didn't get shit done to them. Mm-hmm. They got a slap on their wrist like, you're bad. Don't do that again. But they didn't get shit done to them. They just went about the next thing. They had to stand in front of cameras. Well, uh, web cameras because COVID and, and Zoom interviews. Yeah. They had to sit in front of a computer and have to answer questions about this. And they were just like, hey, listen. They dodged the question. They dodged the bullet. They didn't have to deal with anything. Mm-hmm. They even got lucky because fans weren't in the stands last year. So they've absolutely got this coming to them. The Yankees are playing two more games against them at home this week. Like they said on, uh, I believe it was uh, David Cohn, uh, or no, it was Michael Kay on the Yankees broadcast said last night, Altuve let off the game. Michael Kay goes, Altuve better get ready for three games of this. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's a doubleheader either. No. Those fans are going to be wild in the Bronx. They're going to be after him, and I love it. Oh, they're going to be after him there. They're going to be after him in Boston. Uh Uh-huh. They're going to be after them in Los Angeles. The one time in history I think Yankees fans and Red Sox fans have been united on anything. I know, and that's a scary thing, man. 2021 is a weird year. Uh Uh-huh. And i got to say, I love the Yankees radio broadcast where – because the for those who don't know, radio broadcasts have mics in the stands so you can pick up the sound a little bit. You could hear what the fans were chanting on Mm -hmm. those stadium mics. For the radio broadcast, and Susan Waldman, who's like the color commentator on the Yankees broadcast, uh, she goes, uh, "Yeah, you can make out what you, some." She goes, "I'm sure some of you can make out what the fans are saying uh, in the stands, but for those who can't, uh, I can't repeat them on air because the FCC will get mad at us." And like we say, the Astros have this coming to them. Oh, in, absolutely, in absolutely. So, so if you want to defend the Asterix, that's your business. But it's bad when the Anaheim Angel fans. Uh-huh. I know I'm supposed to say Los Angeles, but they're always Anaheim. They're throwing stuff on the they're field. They're pretty laid allegedly. back. Yeah, they're no, no, no. There's no allegedly. They did. Yeah, like they're, like L A fans, Angels fans are pretty laid back. Like it's it's Southern California. Like they're pretty laid back. Like nothing really gets them. When you got those fans throwing shit at you, you know you fucked up. Yes, just wait for the Dodgers too. Oh, oh my god, I'm I'm more excited about that one. Oh my god, I, I just I don't know. I have a weird sense of humor about that, but you know they got what's coming to them, and uh, don't come back to the Bronx anytime soon, guys. Uh-huh. Let you know. Yankees, go get that ring. So that being said, since Coach Duffy is not here, we figured we'd honor him with his own base, his own one shot. Talking and, about how great Charlie Weiss is. Oh, <laughs> I bet wanted to. John uh, John Calipari? 
Oh, I you know John Calipari, Larry, Larry Brown in his tenure with the Knicks. Oh, oh, why why would you gotta go there, man? I was I'm just trying to I'm just trying to dig at that wound. That definitely digs at it, but no, we are gonna talk some basketball. Basketball is my favorite. Sport. We got a week left in the regular season, a little over then. Wild. Yeah, it's it's scary to say because on the 16th, yeah, we're about nine days away. Yeah, the season is over. And it's going to be, or 10 days rather, I should say. Yeah. 10 days away from the season's end. And those New York Knicks are the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. How sweet it is. That's wild. How sweet it is. But, Pat, you got those standings. Let's break it down. So, yeah, uh, in the Eastern Conference, the current number one seed is the Philadelphia 76ers with a record of 44 and 21. Uh, number two is the Brooklyn Nets. Oh. They have a record of forty-three and twenty, or forty-three and twenty-three. Uh, they are a game and a half out of first place. Uh, then you've got the Milwaukee Bucks at number three, who have a record of forty-one and twenty-four. Uh, they are three games out of uh, first place. Uh, and then at the fourth seat, you have the New York Knicks, who have a record of thirty-seven and twenty-eight. Also, if I read correctly, secured a winning record for the year. Yes. So it's locked and loaded. They got a winning season. So. Uh, <laughs> Let's get it. After that, at the number five position, you have the Atlanta Hawks, who have a record of 36 and 30. Uh, and then at the sixth seed, you have the Miami Heat, who have a record of 35 and 31. And just on the outside looking in, you have the Boston Celtics, who are 34 and 31 uh, in mere percentage points uh, behind uh, the Miami Heat. No, literally, it's like percentage points. Uh, the Miami Heat have a percentage winning percentage of 530. Boston is 523. So the Eastern Conference looks a little crazy. We have to remind people that the play-in tournament is going to start on May oh, 18th. Yeah. So that's going to be a little weird this year. I to know see. LeBron's chirping about that. Well, you know what? I understand his, uh, his argument. And you know what? I agree with him. We don't need a play-in tournament this year. I understand last year with what happened with the bubble. I get it. You know, I understand the extended playoffs. But this one, I'm going to say, no, we're back to a regular season. Let it be the top eight. And I'm not saying this because the Knicks are the fourth seed. I just think that this is a little excessive, yeah, in my opinion. But it's going to be what it's going to be. And, I mean, if the season ends today, Boston and Charlotte will be facing each other in the 7-8 play-in, and the winner yep. would get Brooklyn. Yep. And I will say this, Brooklyn does not want any part of the Celtics. No. So that would be a tough game for them. Uh, the most intriguing matchup of this uh, conference, though, is Miami and Milwaukee. Hmm. I don't doubt Miami sneaking that one out. Uh, I would. I would neither. And if the rumors are to be believed, if unless Milwaukee makes a deep run in the playoffs, and not saying like championship run, but like they make a deep run in the playoffs, the head coach is going to be gone. He has to. I'm sorry. Like you have arguably the best player on the planet, and Giannis. One of them, yeah. And you have all the talent to win in a weak division. Like let's face it, the Eastern Conference is not as tough as the West. No. You should be running away with this thing. You should be higher than the three seed because Brooklyn's ahead of you. You know, by you know a game and a half. But let's remember, Brooklyn ain't been running their full squad all year. Exactly. Like how many? I can think you can count maybe on two hands, and I'm not, it might be more. I could be wrong, but I think you can count on a few hands, very few hands, the number of times KD, Kyrie, and James Harden have played in the starting lineup together. Exactly. And that's not a knock. That's a fact. No, it's fact. So I mean, that whole con- that whole bracket is something to be a little worrisome about. And you know, I say I like Miami in it. And I don't care about Brooklyn because if Brooklyn gets bounced and the Knicks get farther, oh, that episode of the ODPH, we might have to put on a Patreon. Because I'll tell you what, Stephen Hayes' reaction is going to be interesting. And I totally love it how everybody wrote the Knicks off for dead and suddenly everybody's trying to jump back on the bandwagon. I mean, to be fair, people have wrote the Knicks off since like 2000. Right. But I'm just saying for the diehards like Coach Duffy and myself that have stayed true 
with the blue and orange. You know, it, it's funny for me to watch and see how many people, especially at the beginning of the season. Sure. Everybody wrote him off for dead. Sure. And we've been sitting here like, you know, I've been saying, trust Leon Rose. He is going to build a contender. Tom Thibodeau is going to be changing the culture. Just Dolan needs to stay the hell away from him. Yeah. And look what happens. So uh, It's working for now, but listening to that uh, next podcast from The Athletic, Dolan can only stay hands-off for so long. Oh, we'll get into Dolan in a second, too, when we get to my base. But for the Eastern Conference, looks pretty impressive. And then looking at that West, the yeah. number one seed. Yeah. Uh, what goes to the is currently the Phoenix Suns, who have a record of forty-seven and eighteen. Chris Paul is the MVP. Uh huh. I would say Randall. You know, I'm trying to do this unbiased, but listen, what Chris Paul has done with his team and the fact that Phoenix is finally living up to its potential and I understand Wild. The, I understand the Lakers have had injuries, so I am playing that into factor too. But with what Chris Paul has done with this team is truly astonishing. He should win it outright, in my opinion. But looking at that, Phoenix is number one. Number two, Pad? Yeah, is the Utah Jazz, who have a record of 47-18. and 18, So they are tied with the uh, Phoenix Suns. Interesting. You know, and, and yeah. to see how that's going to play out, too. I mean, you never know. There could be a flip late in the season, but let's yeah, see. Yeah, uh, the wild thing, because I was looking it up. Wild thing with Chris Paul playing as well, leading the team as well. Uh Currently 35 years old. He, he turns 36 tomorrow, in fact. Happy early birthday. Uh, he's also in his 16th year in the NBA. So there's a lot of tread on those tires. It is, and it's scary to see him playing there. But he is the right veteran leadership yeah. for that young team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then with the rest of the Western Conference, at the number three seed, you have the L.A. Clippers, who are 44-22 and 22 and only three and a half games out of first place. Yes, which is you know we I, I'm not sold on the Clippers doing anything. They're I not mean, real flashy. They're they're very under the radar. They're under the radar, which o- is outside good. The, outside those awesome jerseys they got. Oh yeah, the jerseys oh, are point. Those, those jerseys awesome. are fire. But everything else, uh, we'll have to kind of wait and see. Yeah. Uh, then at the four seed, you have the Denver Nuggets, who have a record of forty three and twenty two. Yes, but the injury bug, I believe, is catching up with them. Yeah. So wait yeah. and see on them. Uh, then at the number five seed, you have the Dallas Mavericks, who are. 37 and 28. Count your stars, you have Luca. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. That's all I'm going to say about Luka them. Luca will keep you in some games, but past that, you, know, you ain't got much. Yep. Uh, after that, you at the sixth seed, you have the Los Angeles Lakers, who have a 37 and 28 record, which, again, a lot of injury bugs. Anthony Davis was out for a stretch of time. LeBron was out for a stretch of time. LeBron had comments, I believe, in the last week where, because he was out with a high ankle sprain that he doesn't think his ankle will be 100% ever again. Yeah. Which I mean, is surprising for him to say. It is surprising, but let's face it. You want to talk about guys that have a lot of tread on the tires? Christ, how many years did he play from, like, October to, like, August? Mm-hmm. I mean, there, it, there was a stretch where he did that. It is what it is. It's not a knock, but father time is slowly catching up on him. And then looking at the rest of the yeah. play-ins. Yeah, so you've got uh, the Portland Trailblazers at the seventh seed who have a record of 36-29. and 29. Uh, you have the Golden State Warriors at the eight seed with a record of thirty three and thirty three, so just at five hundred. Uh, you've got the Memphis Grizzlies at the nine seed with a record of thirty two and thirty two, and then you've got the San Antonio Spurs at the ten seed with a record of thirty one and thirty three. So they're all right there in it. Everybody's right there in it. If Golden State sneaks into the two to the eight two seed, I could see them doing some damage there. And also depending on you know wherever everybody pans out to. I mean that's the one thing. 
you I have to imagine that somebody's going to wind up facing Phoenix and like Phoenix is not the team you want to be facing right now. Holy Christ, you are, they're not kidding about the Lakers and the injury bug. Like I I realize LeBron and Davis have been out, but I'm looking at their depth chart. So ESPN.com has their starting five uh starting five Dennis Schroeder at the point guard listed as out. Uh Caldwell Pope listed as shooting guard, dated listed as day to day. LeBron out, Anthony Davis day to day, Kyle Kuzma day to day, Mark Gasol day to day. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, who's suiting up for them at this point? You and me? Exactly. So, I mean, you have to take that into consideration with the Lakers. Jesus Shuttlesworth, is he coming off the bench? Somebody's going to have to. Like I said, the West is kind of a very unpredictable season this year. Yeah. I I would say if Phoenix gets in there and they make a run. They could. I don't doubt them making a good contention against the East, like against anybody. I don't get like Brooklyn does not scare me. I'm not saying it'll, this. If if Phoenix gets into the finals, it'll be a scrap. They're not going to run away with it, but they they could scrap it out. Exactly, they have enough firepower. They can keep up with Brooklyn. Like I understand. Listen, KD and Kyrie and Blake and you know the rest of the band there, Harden. They have all the guys on paper. Yeah, but paper doesn't make champions. No, playing makes champions, and that's why I say. They had better pray they don't face Miami in that playoffs. So if Phoenix wins the chip, you're never going to hear the end of it from Barkley. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it would be huge if Phoenix won the yeah. chip. I would, like I said, I wouldn't be mad about no, it. No, not at all. God. But I'm going to tell you this. If the Knicks wind up getting a deep run, just a just deep run. I'm not saying they're going to go to the finals. But if they make a deep run and Brooklyn gets bounced. if Listen, if Phoenix wins the NBA championship, and that means I don't have to see highlights from the 2001 World Series anymore, I'm all for it. Well, you know, we'll have to see what happens. But obviously, that is going to be taking place May 18th. we still got another week of basketball left. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Let us know how your team is doing. I know our guys down at East Coast Avengers are bleeding Memphis blue. So, you know, they're going to be chiming in about that. But let's hear about everybody else. I mean, who is your team and where do you think your squad's going to end up? And you know, hey, you had to mention about Dolan messing mm-hmm. with a team. Well, unfortunately, my base has got some bad news for my beloved New York Rangers. See, we don't talk hockey on here too much because I will admit something. I am super biased to the New York Rangers. Facts. So if I may want to, if you wanted me to cut it down the middle, I really can't. It won't happen. It's not going to happen. It's Blue Shirt Nation till I die, folks. I have stuck with them through the horrible years, and now they were on the come up. James Dolan has to strike. This is true. And to quote my guy, Pat Lou. When the Knicks are doing good, Dolan's got to do something, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. So today it was announced that they decided to do a big shakeup in the Rangers' front office. So in the NHL, we have Chris Drury taking over as president and GM effective immediately. Wow. Dolan cleaned house and fired John Davidson, our president, and general manager Jeff Gordon. Jesus. And not a real... Good answer for this to quote the article from ESPN. It's Dolan. He has his reasons, and he's the only one who understands it. Exactly. This is coming from Dolan in a statement. We want, quote, we want to thank JD and Jeff for the contributions to the organization. They're both great hockey professionals who worked hard for the Rangers. However, in order for our team to succeed in the manner our fans deserve, there needs to be a change at leadership, end quote. Okay. Let us talk for a second. Is season two of the athletic podcast Shattered going to be on the Rangers? It might have to be. Two seasons of shitting on Dolan. I'm all for it. Well, this season, there's been a lot of drama with the team. Okay. A lot more. I mean, obviously, we all forget about what happened with Tony D'Angelo. Yeah. And that messy situation. Panarin had his situation. Yeah. The team has uh, been bit with the injury bug. And like I said, Mika was out for a while, too. So there has been a lot going on with this team. So they have been scrappy as best. 
But this team has been on the re-up. We got Cacao. We got Lafreniere. They finally are looking like a playoff team. It, this is going to be interesting to see how Drury does. But, I mean, he's been in that organization for so long now that I'm hoping he is taking the tutelage that he's received and he's going to apply it and we start really making some moves because we've been on the right steps. Like I say, I know they got eliminated from the playoff contention this past week. Right. And also, I have no comment to say anything about the Washington Capitals and a certain forward decided to do something egregious because I don't even want to give you time of day. I'll say, I'll say it. Fuck them. Enough said there. So for the Rangers, obviously this season, they scrapped, they battled. I think Quinn is going to be on a short leash this upcoming year that if he does not turn it around and get out to a hot start, no excuses next season, you got to hit the ground running. Uh-huh. So they got to do it. Blue Shirt Nation forever. I will be probably tweeting out some stuff about this because I'm really angry about this move. I don't get it. I'm not on board with it. And like I said, Dolan, you know, he, as long as he stays away from the Knicks, because if he does something stupid like fires Leon Rose in the same week here, because, you know, we didn't win us last year. Like, seriously, I am going to lose it on Twitter. Like, I might get kicked off like Coach Duffy did. I don't know. We'll have to see. Hey, listen, if you don't understand New Yorkers' general hatred for James Dolan, seriously, check out the podcast, Shattered from the Athletic. It's about the Knicks and. You know, they're running the 90s and then everything up to present times. Uh, they, the episode they just had out was about uh, Carmelo and Lynn's sanity. So it was about that time period. You will learn a lot about why New Yorkers hate James Dolan. Mm-hmm. It, this is true. Like I say, when you know what his best move is? It's also a good podcast. So. Yeah. His best move is staying on the sidelines and playing his music and staying the heck out of the garden. Like, be a, be a silent owner. Stay away. Not possible because I forget who the player was. It was Sony. I want to say for one of the episodes for uh, the shattered where Indiana was in town. And I, I want to say it was like Danny Granger or something like that. It was like some player from Indiana who was going to be a free agent that upcoming off season. The player ran down the court, hit a corner three. Now Dolan had not been doing any sort of film on the guy, studying the guy, watching the guy, learning about the guy, saw him go to the corner and hit a corner three and went, I want that guy. I want him. Give it. Get him to me. Get him on my team now. And they're like, you watched him hit a corner three. Like, you don't know anything about this guy. Yep. So that's why I said, don't screw it up for the Knicks. We got a good thing going. The Rangers, okay, Drury has been in the system. Let him do his thing. But I swear to you, if he starts messing with the teams, I'm going to get losing it on social media. It's going to get bad. It's going to get real bad. But... It is what it is. Hockey is a beautiful sport. And when the Rangers are doing good, I'm a happy camper. Enough said about that. Yes. So that all being said, the music you heard at the beginning of the show is that of our good friend Brian Wolf. He's going to be playing locally in the 607 in the upcoming week. So we have got that information on our website. So, Pad, where do the people go to find it? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing it over to the music section. You can check out everything going on with Brian. You can check out everything going on with Tom Jolo, who are yet again closing the show with his brand-new song, Twilight Zone, off the new album. You can sign up for it right now, right now, at TomJolo.com. You can also check out everything going on with our guys over at Second Suitor, Yard Party, Floodlands, and, of course, Shout at the Robots. You can also swing on over to the directory. You can check out organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter. You can go check out friends of the show, such as Dragon Master Games. You can also check out all the amazing pod groups we are in. And, Pad, since last episode, uh-huh. something big happened. Oh. 
Podchaser, shout out to them, still waiting for my follow-back too, decided to do a showcase okay. of a pod group. And they tagged us oh, in their tweet. Cool. So I go, okay, what is this? And lo and behold, it was for the Apocalypse. Cool. Which is now the number two ranked pod group on all of Podchaser. Ooh. So shout out to all the members. And we just did a big recruitment drive too. So if you want to find out everybody that just joined up with the best group of all independent podcasts, definitely swing on over to the Podchaser list. The link is right there. And definitely want to shout out to our friends in the Innerd Circle as well. That's another great group that we are a part of, too. Definitely want to shout them out. They're an amazing group that we are so proud to be a part of as well. Yeah. Like I say, it's a lot of love in the independent podcast community. You can check out all those links, 607 Podcasts. And, of course, our guys over at 8122 Productions, Rich, Ron, Mike, C, returning to studio this month, Pad. Oh, boy. Finally, we're getting him out of his bunker. Nice. And, of course... Last but certainly not least, Big Natty Cool himself, the one and only Diesel. You want to find out everything going on with those guys, 8122productions.com or just patreon.com slash 8122productions. All of that, parlay points, which Coach Duffy has said we are getting a blog this week. Yep. We have the tweet, folks. This is not a drill. We are getting a Coach Duffy blog this week. Link to the T Public store, which has the hottest shirt going, the Parlay Club shirt. All of that and so much more at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. For your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Who was spotted out wearing an Alabama Crimson Tide hat. Oh, my God. If you got that picture, we need to post that on the webpage. I'm your host, Ken M. He's rooting Tide now. Holy <laughs> The thoughts, views, and opinions of that of Padawan J do not represent the rest of the panel here at the ODPH Podcast. Listener discretion is advised. But thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.
Like home.